victorious Conor McGregor. Black Trunks for the champion, Jose Aldo Jr. Conor Max smiling. What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in to the Lucky Punch MMA Podcast, episode number one. I'm your host, Steve Farah, and I'm here to bring you the latest news, biggest updates, and hottest takes in the world of mixed martial arts. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at LuckyPunch underscore MMA. Uh, we're going to start with some news pieces, look at some upcoming fights, and then I'll touch on the topic of the week, which happens to be who is Conor McGregor going to fight next. Um, but first, before we get into all that, uh, we had UFC Fight Night Brooklyn this past weekend. I should say a week ago. It's already it's already Saturday. I, I can't believe it. Um, Hen- uh, Henry Cejudo with the win over TJ Dillashaw in the early stoppage. Very controversial. Um, I'll give you some stats on that real fast. Henry Cejudo landed 18 significant strikes in 32 seconds, causing Kevin McDonald to stop the fight. Kevin McDonald is a referee with the uh, New York State Athletic Commission. Obviously, he's... Uh, refereed the FC before. Dana White, not very happy with the way the fight ended up. Um, frankly, I be- frankly, I believe that it was an early stoppage, in, you know, myself. I, I mean, the flyaways don't hit hard. If you're familiar with flyweight fights, these are guys that are 125 pounds, they're tiny dudes. And, you know, if you look at Henry Cejudo's record, if you look at Demetrius Johnson's record, if you look at Joseph Benavidez's record, they're, the, I guess, the top three flyweights in the last few years. Um, you know, they're all decision wins. They're all decision wins. They all go to the judges' scorecard. They're not really. There's not a lot of knockout guys in that division, or even the bantamweight division for that matter. Um, they just don't hit hard. And even TJ said himself that the punches he was taking were not hurting. He was talking to the ref. And you know, I'm not a referee, but the by language is key in that. And uh, to to see that TJ was moving, his legs were moving. He was his arms were moving. He was he was actively going for that single leg. Um, Definitely called early, in my opinion. Uh, Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, his fight with Alan Crowder. It was a round two knee disqualification. That was called by uh, Dan Mergliata. Um, the question isn't whether or not it was a dirty shot. right? We all realize that this was a... I mean, the MMA community as a whole, all the fighters, um, um, journalists, everybody was saying how awful this was. And it, it was pretty rough to see. I mean, a guy of that power and that, that size, I mean, he's a scary-ass dude, Greg Hardy. And for to to take a knee to the temple from a guy like that uh, just sounds terrifying, and it was terrifying to watch. So um, the question really is, did he do this on purpose? I mean, I don't know, man. He, he was crying at the press conference. He was crying on the bus. He clearly showed remorse. Um, I would have liked to have seen him try to reach out to Crowder. Uh, obviously, Crowder was probably really banged up and 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 uh, needed attention. But at least to have said that he was planning on reaching out to Crowder, I think would have been a lot more meaningful. Either way, uh, he'll probably we'll probably hear from him again. Given that Dana White said that he liked what he saw from Greg Hardy, I think that uh, we'll see Greg Hardy again in the future. Although, uh, given that he gassed out completely in the second round, I'm not sure about his success in the UFC. I'm very doubtful. I'm also doubtful of his success given who he is as a person. So we'll see. Uh, Cowboy Donald Cerrone. We're going to talk about him a lot this podcast episode. Cowboy Cerrone beat Alex Hernandez, who talked a lot of shit in the lead-up to this fight. Um, great TKO sequence, if you haven't seen it. He, he landed a great head kick, follow-up with some punches, and then some ground and pound to finish the fight off. Um, after the fight, he called out Conor McGregor. Um, he says he wants a top-five opponent, no 
lower than top eight. Um, he's currently not ranked in the lightweight division. He's ranked 11th in the welterweight division, which were his last three, last two fights, or his last. Well, he's been in the welter, welterweight division for a while, but um, he's he's not ranked in the lightweight division. Um, I think we're going to see Cowboy ranked at 10 uh, in light in the lightweight division. He's going to take Nate Diaz's spot. Nate Diaz has been inactive inactive since 2017, since his last fight against uh, McGregor. And uh, he's going to take that number 10 ranking spot because Alex Hernandez is currently ranked number 11. So I'd imagine that he falls a couple spots and Cowboy gets that uh, number 10 ranking. You know, he wants a top five fight. And, you know, this McGregor fight is going back and forth. We're going to mention that more later. Um, Kevin Lee would be a great matchup. I think Kevin Lee versus Donald Cerrone would be a fantastic fight um, that I'd be excited to see. Uh, but... You know what? We don't, always, we don't always get what we want, so we will take what we can get. Uh, MMA Fighting reports that John Jones popped for uh, he popped again for the M3 metabolite Tyranobol uh, in the voluntary uh, anti-doping agency uh, uh, drug test that was given during weigh-ins. The the VADA uh, V A D A voluntary anti-doping agency. That's the third party. The third party uh, um, company that the UFC uses for these tests with the Nevada State Athletic Commission, um, as well as some other, in this case, it was the California State Athletic Commission. With USADA, they use they use this company. Um, but either way, he popped again. Um, uh, there was a lot of uh, back and forth between uh, some journalists and, and the some officials from the California State Athletic Commission. You know, at this point, you really got to call bullshit, bullshit. You got you to call a spade a spade here. Um, this is some bullshit, you know. He, he pops on this test. This test is done the, the day before the fight, that Friday, which was during weigh-ins. The very next day, he takes, his another, he takes another test, and that test came back clean. So this substance stayed in his body for 18 months, and suddenly, within a 24-hour period, he was able to get it out of his system. You know, to me, this doesn't make any sense. And for the fact that, that the best excuse that Dana White and, and these commission... Uh, officials can come up with is that oh the scientists are telling us this and that and that this is fine you know it, who are you fooling who are you trying to fool here it doesn't it's not it's, it doesn't hold any weight so uh, I call bullshit either way Jones is the light heavyweight champion what are you gonna do Derek Carr versus Stephen A. Smith uh, if you follow football this will interest you if you also, also if you follow gambling uh, after UFC debuted on ESPN as you might have seen Stephen A. Smith took an active role in the broadcasting for that, he was down uh, near the octagon with John Attic and Daniel Cormier. Um, Derek Carr called him out on Twitter, uh, calling for a UFC fight uh, between him and Stephen A. Smith. And while this is obviously a joke, and and uh, there's you know there's always a non-zero chance of anything ever happening, but um, you know the odds makers at Bovada uh, already put out the spread for this fight, and they have Stephen A. Smith at minus 130. And Derek Hart, minus 190. My only question for Bovada is, what do you know that we don't know? I mean, does Stephen A. Smith have a, have a black belt in uh, jiu-jitsu? Is he, is he a taekwondo guy? You know, this doesn't make any sense to me. Stephen A. Smith is, you know, I guess he's in shape for his age, but, you know, Derek Carr is a pro athlete. Um, this, is, this is kind of funny, but, you know, this just doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. Um, uh, the new UFC belt... Uh, we saw that for the first time on Saturday. Obviously, they teased us. They, they sent some pictures out um, earlier in the month as well. Um, 
You know, I really didn't like it at first, but I've warmed up to it. I, I, I initially didn't like the octagon shape, and I thought it was too busy with all the stones and all the different colors and stuff. But, you know, it's grown on me, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's a really cool-looking belt. It's different. It's different than what we see in pro wrestling and Bellator in one championship. So, you know, I'm, I'm you know, it's cool. So, uh, before we get into some upcoming fights, I just want to note that... Um, if you have a small business, a website, a Facebook page, even a meme account that you're looking to promote on this podcast, feel free to hit me up at LuckyPunch underscore MMA. Uh, slide in my DMs. We can figure something out. I'd love to promote uh, you guys. I, I love promoting uh, other content creators, and uh, it's important that we help each other out, especially as we're starting to get, um, as we're trying to grow our, our platforms and all that. So feel free to hit me up if you're interested in uh, a quick ad on this podcast. Um, so upcoming fights, UFC Fight Night uh, Fortaleza is coming uh, next week, uh, fe February 2nd. Uh, the, the main event is Asuncal versus Mores. I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, bear with me here. Jose Aldo is also returning in that fight. Uh, I say returning as if he was gone for a while. He, he obviously just fought Jeremy Stevens in July, but either way, he's back. He's fighting Hanano Moicano. Uh, Aldo less fought, like I just said, Jeremy Stevens. Uh, on UFC Fight Night Alvarez Poirier in July. He won that through a first-round TKO. Um, it'll be a really interesting matchup because Hanato Moikado is a submission artist. He's got um, he's got a number of, of wins, especially over uh, Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Qatar, and Cub Swanson. And I think that he poses uh, Max Holloway-esque um, troubles for Jose Aldo. He's 5'11", and he's got 72-inch reach and excellent grappling. Um, but either way, it'll be a good fight. The, the question for me is what happens to Jose, Jose Aldo if he wins this fight? Jose Aldo currently ranked number two in the featherweight rankings. He wins this. You, you got to think, all right, we got to give him a title shot. You know, he's got back-to-back -back wins, and he's also the number two challenger. I'd imagine he might even move up to number one after that because I think Ortega is currently the number one. Um, you know, he's talked about moving up to 155, Aldo, but I really think that's a bad matchup for him uh, in general. A lot of those are bad matchups for him. Um, I am personally horrified at the idea of Tony Ferguson walking across the octagon and absolutely murking Jose Aldo. I, I think a guy like Tony Ferguson would, would just demolish him. Uh, the size difference is is definitely one to point out, you know, and uh, those guys are a lot stronger in that division. So personally, I don't see that as a good move for Jose Aldo. Um, you know, I think Aldo, too, would not want a McGregor rematch, uh, especially at 155, given McGregor has been fighting at that weight for, you know, his last couple of fights now. He, he's used to that weight, and uh, he's comfortable there, and he's also stronger there. So, um, who knows? Well, I guess we'll see what happens after that fight. Um, one fight that I am excited for is Damian Maya versus Lyman Good. Um, and, and the reason I highlight, highlight this, the reason I, and the reason I highlight this fight is because not a lot of people know about Lyman Good. You know, he's he's somewhat new to the UFC. He's got four UFC fights. Um, he's 33 years old. Maya has the age difference is is dramatic. It's eight years. Maya is eight years older than him at 41 years old. Maya currently on a three fight losing streak um, to the top three welterweights in the division: Kamara Usman, Colby Covington, and, and Tyron Woodley. All went to all went to the decision. Um, he's on his way out. He should retire. I don't know why the UFC... I think the UFC is doing him a disservice by keeping him around 
especially feeding him to these young up-and-comers, these guys who are in their physical uh, prime, and it's it's kind of feeding him uh, to these younger guys. I don't think it makes much sense. I think it's kind of disrespectful, but that's why I'm not in charge of the UFC. Lyman Good, uh, he, he's beaten Andre Koroshkov. He, he used to fight in Bellator. Um, he's from Tiger Shulman MMA, and his record is currently 20, uh, 20 wins, 4 losses, and 1 no contest. He's got 9 knockouts, 2 of which are in the UFC. His last, his last 3 UFC fights, his only 3 UFC fights, he's got 2 knockout wins and 1 split decision loss. Um, his last fight was against Ben Saunders at UFC 230, where he knocked him out in the first round. And, uh, you know, he's a really good striker. He's, he lands, according to the UFC website, he lands 5.73 strikes per minute, 75% of which are head strikes. And as we know, the average for a UFC fighter is around four and a half, five uh, strikes per minute. Um, now, naturally, I understand that, that he's only got four. This is his fourth fight in the UFC. And, uh, you know, that'll go down as he continues to fight. But either way, it's still impressive to me. Uh, he's got 86% takedown defense. He's never been submitted and has never been knocked out in his professional career. This is a classic striker versus grappler matchup. And uh, it, it'll, be in, it'll be definitely exhilarating to watch given that it'll be in Brazil. So the Brazilians will be going nuts for their boy, Damian Maia. Awesome. So now we can move on to the topic of the week, which is... What is next for Conor McGregor? Uh, obviously, people have talked about this a lot, especially in the last three months since the Khabib fight. So I broke it down for you guys um, it kind of in, in, in parts, and, and we'll go from there. But um, the way I see it is for Conor McGregor, who's now lost three of his last four fights, if you were including the Floyd Mayweather boxing match, um, this is a really important fight for him to have. Uh, it has to be a matchup that he can win, and it's got to be a matchup that reasserts him as one of the elite strikers in the lightweight division, which, not to say that he's lost that as a title, but when you have guys like Kevin Lee, Al Quinta, uh, Donald Cerrone, all, all saying that they could beat you, you know, you have to assert your dominance. You have to prove through a, through a, uh, brutal performance that you are still the top dog. So, um, the way I have it set up is these, these three tiers, right? You got tier one, which is like elite tier, or this tier would impact his legacy the, the best. This would be best case scenario for him and frankly for the fans as well. Um, so the fighters I have there are Tony Ferguson, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, and uh, Max Holloway, as well as Nate Diaz if, you, if he does want to rejoin the UFC at some point. Um, the middle tier, tier two, also, interesting matchups, also good matchups. Um, Don Cerrone, Dustin Poirier, and Ally Quinta. You know, those are all fights that we would buy. Those are all fights that we would be interested in. But they're not going to carry the same... They're not going to... They are not. They don't carry the same gravitas. They don't carry the same weight that those top-tier fights I mentioned do. Uh, and finally, we have what I like to call the joke tier, or the shit tier, which is uh, Tenshin Nasukawa and Pauli Malignaggi, and whoever else outside the FC. The reason I bring those guys up is because Connor has come at them multiple times on social media. He called out uh, that the Japanese kickboxer Tenshin Nasukawa, who lost to Floyd Mayweather on New Year's, the day of New Year's Eve, uh, January 31st, in the first round. That was obviously an exhibition match, probably fixed as well. Either way, uh, I think Connor calling him out was more or less trying. If Connor did fight this kid, it would be 
um, to prove to, to Floyd Mayweather, not that he can, not that he's better than Floyd Mayweather, but that he can make more money in a given fight than Floyd Mayweather. Um, so Floyd Mayweather, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather made um, um, nine million dollars in that one fight. So I think McGregor would try to fight this kid just to beat that that number. Um, he also called out Pauli Malignaggi. The reason why I think that fight's a joke uh, is. Uh, very simple. Just go on YouTube, Google Conor McGregor, Pauli Malignaggi sparring match, and you can watch uh, a bunch of rounds in which Conor McGregor just absolutely dismantles him. So um, either way, I think that the top tier has to be the most interesting for the fans and McGregor, and I think that's what he should consider going forward. So we're going to break it down piece by piece, fighter by fighter, matchup by matchup. Um, first of all, Tony Ferguson, who as we know is a dangerous fighter, also a complete lunatic, um, and very entertaining in the process. He's very unorthodox. He moves different, and you know he's an emotional fighter. You know, I, I really think, um, even though, it, I really think what makes Tony Ferguson interesting is that he's an emotional fighter, but you can't play mental games with him. You know, it's. I think that if Diaz McGregor is not meant to be Diaz McGregor three is not going to happen. This is going to be the closest thing that we will ever see to that. A guy with some serious striking power, he's got high-level grappling, he's great on the back, and he's absolutely impervious to mental warfare, you know. And Tony Ferguson is also uh, playing, or, or, he's fighting out of his mind. He's he's on an 11-fight win streak. He's, uh, you know, a bad matchup for McGregor on the back, uh, on the ground, rather. He, he's got eight, uh, six submissions in his last 11 fights, and he's got that uh, Eddie Bravo 10th Planet black belt in jiu-jitsu um that would be an absolutely awesome fight um one that might pose a huge threat to conor mcgregor um but either way really interesting to think about um next guy habib habib obviously is another bad matchup for mcgregor um you know what made me think about ufc 229 to you know what made me think about ufc 229 uh was i was listening to the believe you me podcast with michael bisping and ben askren was a guest and ben askren uh, says that he feels comfortable in his stand-up game because his opponents are very tentative with him when boxing uh, because of how dangerous he is on the ground. In other words, they're constantly worried of Ben shooting for a takedown, um, and Ben doesn't have to worry about them shooting for a takedown. Therefore, Ben can focus on the hands, and they are more tentative to close the distance and land shots given that it opens up opportunities for Ben to take them down. Um, and I think this is this is exactly what we saw in UFC 229 with McGregor and Khabib. McGregor never got to close the distance on Khabib. He never got to land that hard left hook or that left overhand. Um, he, he never got to really make any significant shots that uh, caused Khabib any any significant damage. So I think that what that what happened was, that nervousness of, of, of worrying about being taken on the ground from Connor is what led to Khabib landing that insane overhand right that practically shocked the world when he landed it, um, which led to obviously McGregor being dominated um, later in that round. I think it was in the fourth round. So, um, you know, I think that that fight is an absolute clear example of how wrestling is becoming the essential skill in mixed martial arts and even though McGregor defended takedowns and he's smart at points and he was staying against the cage, I just don't see a clear path to victory for him against a guy like Habib. I just think it's a bad matchup. He should look elsewhere. Um, Max Holloway. 
Also an interesting fight. Not necessarily a bad matchup for McGregor, but uh, I think it would be a five-round war, and I think that he'd have easier fights elsewhere. Um, keep in mind, Max Holloway and Conor McGregor fought in 2013, in which McGregor won with a unanimous decision. A lot's a lot has a lot has changed since 2013. I mean, Max Holloway, he's developed into an absolute killer. He's precise. He's hes probably one of the smartest fighters in the promotion. Um, when you look at fights against Jose Aldo and Brian Ortega, he can read their combinations. He can he, he knows exactly what punch to, to, to throw back. And not only that, but he, he's got a great sense of timing with these guys. And, you know, my basic uh, analysis of that matchup is Conor McGregor was not able to put Max Holloway, uh, knock him out in 2013. He's going to have a, a really difficult time doing it in 2019 or 2020. Uh, Max Holloway is a complete badass, and uh, while that fight would be interesting, not sure about that as a good matchup for McGregor. So the fight that we really want, the fight that the fans have talked about, the fight that McGregor and uh, his opponent have talked about is Nate Diaz. We want Nate Diaz against Conor McGregor 3. They're 1-1 one one against each other. They both want the trilogy. Um, but, unfortunately, uh, Dana White has said that, that the Diaz brothers have expressed no interest in fighting again. And, frankly, I believe him because Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz never really seemed 100% committed to the fight game. Um, I think that they they definitely worked super hard and they were, so, they were definitely very successful. Um... But they, they, they were not as obsessed with it as a Conor McGregor or um, an Ally Quinta or a Michael Bisping, where it, it really was their life. You know, they have other uh, extracurricular activities, but they like to smoke a lot of weed. So to me, I never got the sense that they were, you know, champ, uh, belt hungry. You know what I mean? So, um, and in pro sports, or in life in general, if you're not into something 100%, you're not going to succeed. Now, I know that's not necessarily true with them because they've had some success and they, they have worked hard. Um, but frankly, my, my point in bringing this up is that if Nate Diaz is, if Nate Diaz is not 100% interested or into a fight with McGregor, you know, he's going to lose. McGregor wins that fight nine, out of, nine times out of ten. And I think McGregor has the upper hand either way because he's in fighting shape, because he's had recent fights, and Diaz hasn't fought in almost two years, and um, this fight would strictly be about money at this point. So I think Diaz is the, uh, on his way out as a number 10th ranked lightweight contender, and uh, McGregor has more uh, impressive fights and accomplishments uh, in, his, uh, in his future. So Cowboy Cerrone... There was a Twitter back and forth between the two of them, and because of that, Brennan Schaub, Ariel Hanwani, and Chael Sonnen all believe that this fight will happen, just given that McGregor is usually a man of his word. I'm not necessarily true about that, because we see a lot of hype, hyped fights in the UFC that don't come to fruition. Um, but the back and forth has been interesting, and you know, Ariel Hanwani brought up an, uh, a fascinating, fascinating point on his show, where he point out that Donald Cerrone is kind of appeasing McGregor. If you look at the tweets that he sent uh, earlier, uh, or was it yesterday? Donald Cerrone tweeted at him, he said, you know, if you want to fight, I'll drink proper 12 at the press conference. Hell, I'll even bring the Budweiser. And McGregor tweeted back, sounds like a party. You know, this is, this is an unusual back and forth that we see from two guys who are usually very vicious 
to their opponents, especially verbally, uh, even though Cerrone, as he's gotten older, has slowed down with the trash talk. You know, I, it, it's, it's just weird to see McGregor uh, entertain the idea of fighting a guy at, who's acting as benevolent as Don Cerrone. And, and frankly, the fans don't want to see that. The fans want to see the back and forth like we saw in the, in the 2015 press conference in which Cerrone and McGregor... Um, had a back and forth before McGregor's fight with Jose Aldo. Actually, that was 2014, not 2015. Um, but but either way, uh, we we want to see that. We want to see two two guys who are complete knockout artists who who possess this physical power. And it, it would be a really interesting matchup stylistically, given that Cerrone is fantastic on the ground and has terrific terrific leg leg kicks and knees. You know. Um, it would be a really fascinating matchup, but you know you want the hype with it, the hype to come with it as really, really brutal verbal assault to one another. You know, it's just not as interesting, and frankly, that doesn't sell as much if that's the the approach that these fighters have and the the promotion has. So, kind of weird to me, but uh, either way, great matchup. Would love to see it. Um, but all this aside, the date that we need to remember is Tuesday, January 29th in which Conor McGregor and Habib Nurmagomedov go before their hearing and, and get their sentences from the Nevada State Athletic Commission following their post-fight brawl from UFC 229. Um, according to uh, Ariel Helwani, he said that it'll be between three and six months, but it'll be retroactive from October. So what this means is that the suspension will be implemented um, retroactively uh, a few from a few months before this date uh, on Tuesday. Um, so it'll probably, they'll probably only be suspended for a few months, which to me doesn't make any sense. If you're going to suspend a fighter, you got to suspend for at least six months because these fighters in particular, McGregor and Nurmagomedov are, are at the point in their career when they're fighting once or twice a year. So they wouldn't fight until the spring or summer anyway, or even the fall. So I'd think this is kind of stupid, but, um, either way, we'll find out on Tuesday what gives... I think we can expect McGregor to fight as soon as the spring. I want to give a quick special shout out to my good friends Trent Stump and Miles Lee over at Royal Striking Muay Thai here in South Philly at 9th and Snyder. They're both fighting in the Donald Cerrone Cowboy Fight Series this Saturday. Uh, it's uh, Cerrone's amateur fight promotion. It's this Saturday at 5.30 p.m. If you're interested to watch those fights, you can watch them absolutely free on flowcombat.com. That's F-L-O-Combat.com. You visit the website, you click the events tab, and it'll be right there at the top of the list. Thank you for joining us on the inaugural episode of the Lucky Punch MMA podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Lucky Punch underscore MMA. We're on SoundCloud. We're on YouTube. Uh, we're going to be on iTunes and Spotify, so stay tuned for that. I'll keep you guys updated. Uh, but go ahead and like, comment, share, subscribe, and do not forget to tune in next week. I'm going to bring in a guest or two. Thank you for listening. With the greatest charm covering all the harm, I'll catch you guys in the next one.